I'm your host, Michael Abney, here to guide you on a journey of discovery, transformation, and empowerment. Each week, we bring you inspiring guests, visionaries, thinkers, and doers who are reshaping our understanding of what it means to live consciously, tune in, and prepare to power up your life. This is Empower You Podcast. And I am so excited today to introduce you to our guest for the podcast today, uh, Mr. Dana Saperstein. I read your story. You have a podcast called Fear Me Out, which is, I love the play on words there. That's amazing. It was just very, as a matter of fact, and you were just having a conversation, which is what I like to do on my podcast too. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, share with us a little bit about your, like, where you're at in your world or in your life and like kind of a little bit about your story. Well, thank you, Michael. I, I, I again, want to tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity. Um, my name is Dana Saperstein. I am 68 years old and I've lived in uh, many different parts of the world, but the majority of my life has been in Santa Barbara, California, actually. Uh, I moved here in 1976 in order to finish my education and uh, um, was doing a lot of therapy at the time. And so uh, one of the last therapists I saw told me that he thought I might make a really good therapist myself. So he helped me uh, become a mental health professional. So I've been a clinical psychologist in private practice here for oh, 30 some odd years. Um, I specialize in working with people that have post-traumatic stress left over from really serious childhood abuse of many different kinds. Um, and about a year and a half or so ago, I started a podcast with a friend called Fear Me Out. He has since left the podcast and uh, the last 10 episodes that I've recorded have been uh, either by myself or with guest hosts that come on my show. Um, as far as my personal life goes, um, I would say on a spiritual level, I, as a kid, was forced to participate in uh, the Jewish religion as a little guy. And uh, I have to say, I hated every moment of it. Um, I wanted to play baseball. I couldn't understand why anybody would have to go to school after school. Going to Hebrew school just was incredibly annoying. And uh, there was nothing spiritual about it in any way. It was, uh, uh, it was miserable. And I was forced to participate until I had a bar mitzvah. And then uh, luckily enough, I was able to walk away from it at that point. Um, during the course of my early adulthood, if you asked me what religion I was, I would tell you I was an antagonist. I wasn't an atheist or agnostic. I was antagonistic because I had so much resentment left over from, uh, uh, you know, being forced to participate in a in a, you know, situation that was, uh, it, it was just miserable. I'd go to temple with my dad, and he'd fall asleep and start snoring, and everybody in the, in the, you know, in the temple would look at him, and and I I was just it, it was more embarrassing and boring than anything else. So um, for the longest time, I didn't really consider spirituality or uh, having any sort of religious affiliation as being important in life. Um, I got married, had a couple of kids. And when I was, let's see, 35, uh, I started having really intense nightmares night after night. And it was the same dream every night I would wake up screaming and kicking, and my wife was really scared because I clearly had sort of lost control of myself uh, at nighttime. And this was after I'd already had at least a decade of really intense therapy, and I kind of figured that I'd taken care of 
excuse me, everything that needed attention in my psyche, but this dream was haunting me. And in the dream, uh, I was being chased around in a hospital with a, with a man with a syringe trying to get me. And just before he was gonna get me, I would wake up in a complete, you know, drenched in sweat, hyperventilating. And I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. I went back and saw the therapist that uh, I had seen before to ask him, you know, what he thought might be happening that I would have such a, uh, a series of really, you know, horrible nightmares. Um, and he couldn't answer the question for me. He said, look, we've, we've looked at, at, you know, at your life under a microscope and there's nothing that I could imagine that might be haunting you. So I kind of went on with my life a bit. And toward the end of the year, I, I made a new acquaintance at the office complex I was working in. And he said, you know, I want you to come over to my house for New Year's Eve with your wife and your kids because there's somebody there I want you to meet. So I went to his house and about 10 minutes later, uh, I was sitting on the, on the sofa and a woman came in uh, with her friend and she sat down next to me. And I'd never met this woman before. I knew nothing about her in any way, shape or form. And she said to me, you know, I hear you're, you're having some struggle in your life. And uh, I was just kind of curious about, you know, what's happening. I said, well, I'm just having terrible nightmares and uh, I'm not sure what it's all about. Well, she picked up a pad of paper and she started writing uh, just really intensely. And I'm looking at her thinking, this is kind of weird. I, you know, who comes to a party with a pad of paper and a pen and just starts writing for a complete stranger? Mm -hmm. Well, after about 10 or 15 minutes, she handed me the pad and it was a, I started to read it and it was a complete description of why I was having nightmares. And what she wrote was that, and I remembered all of this crystal clearly after she started writing and I started reading it. When I was four years old, I went into the hospital to have uh, hernia surgery. And the night before my surgery, an orderly came into the hospital and he sexually molested me. And the next morning, and he told me that if I told anybody, he would kill me. And the next morning, he wheeled me into the operating room. And then they put me on the, you know, on the gurney. And there were, when they were putting me under, I thought they were killing me. I thought that he was carrying out his threat to kill me. So I went under anesthesia screaming, I won't tell, I won't tell, I won't tell. And from that point forward, that memory of being sexually abused was completely erased from my memory. And I have to say that I was uh, kind of shocked because being a therapist, I wasn't sure if there was such a thing as repressed memory. Um, but I, you know, when this woman started writing the, the, the details of what happened, I just remembered everything with such clarity that it was shocking to me that all of this could have lived inside of me uh, you know, for 30, at least 30 years without any symptoms or anything that might have uh, you know, revealed to me that I had such a horrible traumatic experience as a little kid. I had plenty of other really horrible traumatic experiences that I had dealt with in therapy, but this was something that uh, was completely erased from my conscience. Um, when she handed me the piece of paper, the heading at the top of the paper said, God, comma. And so it was a message to me from God, all of this to help me in two different ways. One, uh, if you asked me prior to this experience whether I believed in God, I would have, you know, done everything I could to convince you that you were a moron to even consider that God existed, and then to help me heal 
uh, one of the deepest wounds that I was suffering from and didn't really understand was having such an impact on my life. So uh, needless to say, I woke up the next morning completely, um, I felt like my life was, current, was turned completely upside down because having somebody be able to, uh, after knowing them for 15 minutes, help me understand something I'd been struggling with for six months that was really traumatic. I mean, how could she possibly know? How did she know? Like, well, she didn't know. It didn't come from her. It came from God through her hand. She um, was channeling it? Yes. Did yeah. you know that up front? Or like, how was your, like, how did you? You know, Michael, I didn't even know channeling existed. <laughs> I mean, I was not necessarily conservative. I've always been a pretty liberal person, but I wasn't seeking any kind of spiritual opening, yeah. anything, nothing. I was just living my life and trying to figure out why I was having such terrible nightmares. Did your knowing of that then change the trajectory of that? Like, how, how was that? Like, the, the repressed thing, like, how was that? Like, when that happened, well, when that released? Obviously, it was insanely emotional. I was beside myself crying. And, you know, all of the feelings that had been buried inside of me came forward. Um, and the next morning when I woke up, we were there for pretty much most of the night, but I got a little bit of sleep. I woke up the next morning and I thought, oh, my God, number one, God is real because uh, I'm a hard sell, but when something like that happens so dramatically, even me in my cynical, uh, non-believing state, I just couldn't deny that God existed because I was given such an incredibly um, amazing experience. So I, I was able to heal something really traumatic, but it also opened me to the notion that, um, that there is such a thing as God. And I was, uh, <laughs> I've never been so long in my entire life in terms of rejecting the idea that there is a spiritual life to be had. Um, so I started meeting with a woman that wrote for me on a fairly regular basis. And I, you know, all the questions I'd ever had about almost anything that I had wondered about, especially on the spiritual level, she was able to write uh, the answers to me, for me, which was fairly dramatic. Um, so meeting her changed my life. Uh, meeting me changed her life. She ended up marrying my brother. So now she's actually Stop my sister-in-law. Stop it. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> so it was a confluence of all kinds of different amazing uh, circumstances. Um, and I would say about six months after we started working together, um, I went to sleep one night feeling incredibly um, scared about the, con about the commitment that I'd made to God. Mm -hmm. In that way, I felt really, really uncertain, Michael. I was, I was really scared. In the middle of the night, I had a dream. And I'm not sure if it was a dream or, or what it was. But I, all I know is that I was in the house that I lived in when I was in high school. But obviously, I hadn't lived in that house for, I don't know, two, over 20 years. And there was a knock at the door. And I opened the door, and God was standing there. And God said to me, uh, I'm here to answer your questions. Uh, and God made it really clear to me that God is not a person, but had to show up in human form so we could have a conversation. So yeah. I understood, again, that God is not a man or a woman, but you can't talk to nothing in front of you. So in this dream, you know, mm -hmm. God said, I, I know that you went to sleep tonight feeling really scared and uncertain about my uh, relationship with you. And so I'm going to give you the information you need in order to move forward in your life. And I said, okay, God, that sounds pretty wonderful. And uh, I said, okay, go ahead. And God, the first thing that God said to me in the dream was that, um, that God is love 
and that if I ever am feeling lonely or the need to feel love and connection, all I got to do is, is open my heart to God because God is always there. Uh, and the only time that people don't feel God's presence is if they turn away from God because God never turns away from anybody. Now, I will say using the term God is sometimes a loaded term because it's so, um, you know, related to religion. Um, to me, God and religion are separate uh, things altogether. Um, so yeah, it's like everybody's perception of like, because my yeah. guys say, you know, to name the thing, the G-O-D thing, to name it is right. then you're not, it's not that. Like right. it stops being that, right? So right. it's that little space. I totally get what you're talking about. But I, I thank you for adding that in that that is whatever our perception is of that thing, then that's what that is. But that doesn't mean that that's your perception or my perception. We all have that. And it's an amazing conversation to have right. once we get past the trigger points of the being right part about things. Right. Well, so I, I want to acknowledge that. I always tell people that it's my version of God, that it's yeah. not God, it's my version. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing that God tells me is that love is always available to me. And I thought, you know, that is really sweet. I really appreciate that. Is there more? And then God said to me, uh, forgiveness is a really important concept. And so part of my role in your life is to help you forgive the other people in your life that have hurt you, uh, for you to get forgiveness from the people that you've hurt, and especially for you to get to a point where you can forgive yourself for the way that you have treated yourself. Because in my experience, we're generally speaking, all of our own, we're, we're our worst enemy, if you know what I mean. Nobody's harder on us than we are ourselves. Yeah, so, so part of the message that God gave me is that it's, that it's really important to work on forgiveness in all the different aspects of our life. So I thought, well, that sounds good to me. I can handle that. And then I said, is there anything else? And God said, yeah, there's one more thing. And that is that you have chosen to be of service and to and to help people. So you just need to know that I'm always with you and that you don't need to be afraid of the pain that people will bring into your life because you don't have to manage the pain. You're the human representative of the healing process and I, God, will handle the pain. So you don't ever have to uh, be concerned about what you need in order to help the people that come to see you. And I just thought, oh my God, what an incredible gift, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, that I that God was always with me and whatever I needed was going to be provided to me in that moment and I didn't need to be concerned about anything other than just being present to the people that come to see me so that they can feel what you know Dana's version of love is like so I said hey God is there anything else and God said no that's pretty much it for now so um, I woke up from that dream and I'm not even sure if I was dreaming but and then I heard the most incredible music in my head that I've ever heard in my entire life I've never heard that kind of music before or since and I sat there listening to this music for I don't know maybe a minute or two and then I thought to myself oh my god what is that and the message I got is that that's what the angels sound like when they're singing in heaven so I will tell you that after that experience um, I was floating for for months afterwards, <laughs> because it was such an incredible uh, affirmation that my faith was, uh, was well-placed. So from that point forward, I started having a very uh, like 24 hour a day conversation in my head with God, because part of what I understood is that as human beings, we make things really complicated, right? It's really hard for us to imagine that, <laughs> 
and things could be simple. And I always think about you, right? (laughs) I always think about one of my clients who the only time he ever feels a spiritual connection is when he goes off to India to an ashram, gets dysentery and loses about 10 pounds, but spends a month, you know, in spiritual heaven. And then he comes back home to Santa Barbara and he doesn't find it here. And I always thought, you know, I don't think that God is location specific. I, I, you know, I think you're making your life really, really complicated. And that, you know, all the more power to you to have fun in India and go and, you know, be around people that are sharing your sort of intellectual vision. But I don't see the necessity of making it complicated. So I spend my life all the time feeling like I'm talking to God and listening. and, And what I've come to believe deep down inside is that that my intuition, that our intuition is the voice of God inside of us. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times people say to me, well, I always pray, but I don't get an answer. And my response is, well, do you ever feel an intuitive connection to what's happening in your life? And people say to me, yeah, but I don't trust it because um, I, I can't prove it. And my response is, well, I mean, I get that you can't always prove things, but uh, that I look at my intuition as sacred. And I hold on to it with all of the, the sort of devotion uh, that I could possibly muster because my intuition has actually saved my life a few times. And it's certainly present every day when I'm working with my clients. And um, uh, if you knew my life, you would say that I, I probably have one of the best lives a person could ever, ever, ever live. I have a wife that I've been with since uh, I've known for 50 years. I have two adult children and a couple of grandchildren, tons of friends, a really successful uh, business. And I, I really want for nothing. Um, I've had a lot of physical issues that I've had to deal with. Um, but even in the, in the face of all of the uh, things I've had to deal with, God has kept me alive uh, in my process of listening. Um, I don't know if you want to hear a story that is, uh, goes along those lines or, or, or do you have any questions at, at this moment? Um, well, you're sharing your, thank you for sharing your experience of that. It like, it really like, you know, I never really kind of know where these conversations are going to go, but like, Uh yeah, um, the two questions that I have or a question I have, and I'll I'll share an experience that's related is like, cause it's all about the healing part. Right. So you mentioned that a couple of times Yes. and I'm just curious, like from your clinical psychologist point of view, Uh what's healing really mean to you? Well, I I will tell you that um, I'm not a normal therapist in that I do not diagnose people and then come up with a treatment plan in order to help the people that come to see me. Because all the people that come to see me already feel bad enough about themselves, else why would they call me and ask for help? And so I feel like if I diagnose somebody and then come up with a treatment plan, I'm agreeing with them that something's wrong with them. Okay. So, so part of what I have come to understand is that whatever symptoms a person has is a form of communication. And your symptoms are a way of <clears throat> telling me in a lot of different ways what's happening on a deeper level. So my focus is not on helping people resolve their symptoms because the symptoms resolve themselves when you deal with the feelings of that accompany underlying trauma. Because when you're being traumatized, you don't feel what's happening to you, though, to you at that time. You go into a, 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 an altered state in order to cope, and the feelings get stored inside your body. 
So I do a lot of hypnotherapy with people to help them go to the deeper levels of their uh, of their unconscious mind so that they can um, uh, release the pain that they carry inside their bodies. Some yeah. people are open to the spiritual part of it, other people not so much. And it doesn't really matter to me whether it's something you're consciously aware of or not, because I think that it, it plays out whether it's part of your intellectual understanding or not. So yeah. my practice is very much of a spiritual practice. I feel like, um, like I'm always accompanied by my, again, my version of God and <clears throat> whatever I need is always provided to me. And I usually don't even have to ask. I mean, I will say occasionally I might be sitting with somebody and I'll think to myself, okay, and I'm not quite sure I understand exactly what uh, would help this person. And then within moments, mm -hmm. I just start talking and I think to myself, whoa, where did that come from? That certainly didn't come from me. <laughs> yeah. Which is so amazing that you're saying this right now. Like, because I, like for me, like when I'm working with what or how I see it is like healing is just knowing yourself as whole and complete. Like you, you know, that there's nothing wrong. Right. Yes. So that, you know, the most powerful words in the universe is like, I'm whole and complete, strong and powerful, loving and harmonious and happy. Uh -huh. Got that from a book that was written in 1907 from a guy named Charles Hanel that wrote the master key system. And there was, when I was reading that, I read it like 20 times. Yeah, fascinated by that stuff. Like how these people knew this like 150 years ago, right? right? But like that never left me, never left me. I wrote that on a chalkboard. I like had it in my house for a year till I, that was just ingrained in the cells of my body because everything else is a lie. Right. So, but I had an experience. Like I always knew that I had some sort of sexual abuse when I was a kid. I mean, I remember instances and I just, you know, chalked it off and like you know I thought I'd dealt with it in my you know life and um, I recently had an experience where I was uh, I live in St. Louis but I grew up on a farm that's about it's exactly 111 miles from my house and where I, where I live now and my brother lives there um, I still go down and my dad needed us back the property that we grew on you know so it's like it's it's home to me, right? My grandma used to, we used to walk that land and my um, last on Memorial weekend, we had some friends down and they had a little girl. She wanted to go, you know, talk to the cows, right? So we go yeah. down underneath the farm and I'm walking the property and all of a sudden I noticed this, she wanted to go on top of the hill and I'm like, I've never been up there. I don't even, I, I had to walk through the property in a different way that I've never done before or remember. But I walked over where this old house used to be. And my dad used to rent it out to some people when we were growing up. And I walked over it, never thought a thing about it. And, you know, came back to St. Louis. And I had uh, a friend of mine does sonomic breath work. And I've uh, been in experiences like that before. And I always get really dizzy. And I just sort of check out. And I'm like, don't go all the way, Right. Right. And I was in an experience in a master class a month or two ago. And I, the instructor says that he acknowledged that. And he's like, that's your ego, not wanting you to know what's on the other side of this experience, just powered out. And I'm like, oh, powered out, here we go. Okay. So I had this experience where I kind of like went, you know, back and I could see my high self talking to my body. And different ailments or different things that I had was like addressing those. And I was just watching this experience. I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. 
you know, I've got a friend that does this for a living. I'm going to call her and I'm going to have my own little set. So I set it up and that was the Tuesday after I got back from Memorial Day. She comes over and I'm having this experience and all of a sudden, like what you said in the body, I saw what happened to me when I was a little kid in that, in that house. Wow. That lady did and the experience and I saw I saw myself frozen there and it just I knew that that was a frozen part in my body and like that came out then and man that has changed my life like absolutely how like you don't realize how many people have had this freaking experience you know and like we don't I grew up at like I'm a generation X guy, you know, like we didn't, there was none of that stuff when I was growing up, like talking about things or your feelings or anything like that. Right. So it's like, I walked around my whole life with this crap inside my body and I've done all of the work, you know, I've done work for since the 2000s on myself, you know, and that never, ever came up. But yeah. about six months ago, I've been a year in this process of the developing this business. And I knew something was in my way of like connecting with people. Right. And I, a couple of weeks before this all happened, I was walking and I just had this moment. I'm like, this has got to go. Like, I've got to break out of this. I can't be here no more. I can't be on this side of whatever this is. Like, go, it's go time. Right. And then the sequence of events, and here you are talking about this, and I just like, mm, this is on purpose. This is just like, I think that the ability to actually speak it out loud and talk about it is um, super, super, super important. Because right. um, I know there's a ton of modalities and the universe will always give you exactly what you need to have that happen. You know, that, that the, my friend's daughter that like making me walk right over where this house was. And that's what came through whenever I was doing the work that I had brought him with me and like, it just needed to be resolved. And then after that experience, everything starts to like fly and people are, you know, like I know something shifted then, right? So yes. do you have that experience with people that you work with after that's released? Like, I, just, I think there's a space where we can heal from that. And like that just be something that happened and we've like evolved from it, not having to carry it with us to the grave, right? Like I don't. Oh, it's really I, important to break the cycle. What's your thoughts on that? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that, again, it's really, really important to break the cycle because if you carry abuse inside of you and you're not aware of it or you're denying it or trying to push it away, oftentimes if you have a family, that family ends up getting, uh, you know, the, the stuff just carries on because both of my parents were sexually abused as kids. So it doesn't surprise me that, uh, again, when I look back and realize that it happened to me. So uh, again, it, once people feel safe enough to go deep, deeply enough to, you know, really let themselves feel what their body is trying to tell them, the healing is really um, exponential. Um, it's much, much more effective than just doing regular talk therapy. Not that that's not helpful, but, you know, I mean, the reason I started my podcast is because um, I can only see a certain number of people in my mm -hmm. in my world. And I wanted, I mean, I've probably interviewed about 60 different people that talk about how they 
came to terms with their post-traumatic stress and how they got to a place where they're living a good life. And it's every imaginable type of person, age, gender, whatever sexual preference, whatever it might be. Um, I just think it's really important, like you're saying, to bring this out in the open. And for people- yeah, even, even talking about the symptoms, you know, the symptoms, you know, like the things that we, our mind will check off as like, it's not this thing, right? Or I had no idea the connection to it. But yeah. like, you probably know, like the continent, I, I had like brain fog. It was really hard for me to focus on anything. I always had this little sense of something's going to happen, right? Like in the, like in the back of my body, this little buzzing yes. thing, you know, yes. and I never really was into drugs or anything like that, um, like, or alcohol, but I abused myself in other ways, like working a lot or not taking yes. care of myself or, you know, getting overweight because I was, I was like 40 pounds heavier than I am now, but like that journey started like in the early, right after actually like 2014 is when the shit hit the fan and I was diagnosed with a couple of things that can kill you. Right. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew what was going on. I had all these weird skin conditions. So it was like that, um, you know, having doctors tell you all of that stuff, click something or it does for me. And I'm like, uh, no, 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 not going down that way, not going down that way. And it causes shit. So like those things, I'm grateful for that because now I'm super healthy and I like, I work out and like, I love moving in my body. If like, you know, I don't feel 58. And, like I feel 27, like my energy of how I take care of it. So, but it still shows up and like how you allow people to treat you around, like when are people around you, how they treat you or how you allow it to happen. Like uh -huh. there's just certain things. What do you, what do you see as like symptoms or something, somebody listening to this could go, oh, well, I have that, I have that pattern too. Like, um, you know, just to bring, for this to bring more awareness to right. this subject. So it, it could start somebody asking question, you know, like for me, I had to, I had to go, this can't be like this anymore. Like you've got to get to that hell no spot before anything really shifts or changes. But when it does, the information is so helpful for me knowing that there's like, oh, this thing that I thought was this is really about this. What yeah. do you see like is a, a pattern or something that you've noticed like if that might help somebody else detect it that is like in their blind spot, right? Well, I, I, to begin with, Michael, I think that shame, the feelings of being ashamed of yourself is absolutely key for most people suffering. And that anytime something happens to you or doesn't happen for you in terms of neglect, that kids always blame themselves and end up feeling very much ashamed of themselves. Yeah. And, and shame is very different than guilt, right? Yeah. Guilt is about something that you did or didn't do that you might want to feel bad about. But shame is personal. It's about how you feel about yourself. And most people that I've you know, encountered both personally and professionally don't feel very good about themselves. They carry a lot of shame and just try to cover it up with you know, any, who knows how many different ways, right? Well, I grew up gay in the, in the country, you know, so the shame was right. just poured right. on, you know, like you don't fit in, like right. all of this stuff, which actually weirdly become my became my strong suit it's like how I got shit done in the world you know if somebody told me I couldn't do something right game over I do it like without fail 
but that stopped working like early 2000s it stopped working and then it was like oh I can't use this trick anymore right and then that's what led me down the path of you know the seminars and the books and this and that's you know kind of what awoke me to connecting to my guides and in here now and I had my thinking is like oh that's all in the past but yet it comes full circle when it really gets to the core of my being and that's what happens the other day but the shame a hundred percent like because I don't know what to do with that sometimes when that arises you know like consciously I'm not like ashamed of myself I'm proud of myself but Uh yet that energy of it exists in a lot of different forms that's hard to detect well you know Michael what I ask people to consider is that most of us have this notion what the hell is wrong with me if I'm feeling shame or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I ask people to consider is maybe that's not the kindest way to, uh, to help yourself. Maybe if you become curious, like, okay, why am I feeling so ashamed of myself right now? Not what the hell is wrong with me, but why am I feeling this way? What's happening that is triggering those feelings? Because those feelings are associated with trauma most of the time, either major or minor. And that if you're, if you're willing to wonder as opposed to jumping right into self-loathing. Um, I think that, the, the, that generally speaking, the world cooperates with our intention. So if you intend to heal and you intend to learn about yourself and you intend to pursue uh, you know, your evolutionary path, that's that the world conspires to help you. Just mm-hmm. like if you're self-destructive, it also the world seems to help with that too. 100%. So a lot of it has to do with being curious. Um, it's funny that we're having this conversation. I will say to you just a few hours ago, I was having a conversation with a young woman that I've been seeing for probably close to a year. And um, she's struggling with marijuana and, and food, has a hard time eating and feels the need to be high a lot of the time. And naturally most people, like she focuses on her symptoms. And I said to her, well, you know, today, maybe there's more to all of your symptoms than then, um, you know, that you've allowed yourself to really recognize. And she started crying and she said to me, you know, I've been really ashamed to tell you something from the moment I met you that I think might be helpful. She said that when I was like eight or nine years old, I was obsessed with having sex with random people. And I feel like such a dirty, awful, slimy person that as an eight or nine year old, that I would just couldn't control my thoughts about sex. And I felt so sad for this young woman because that's not a normal obsession for an eight or nine-year-old. Right? It's just not something that, are, that happens to most children unless they have had something happen to them that they blame themselves for and have taken responsibility for in a very self-loathing way. And you know, as we were talking about this, she started to really understand that, that maybe there was something to her needing to wonder why she had that symptom as a little kid, as opposed to just thinking she was a dirty little girl and was pathetic and and didn't deserve to be loved and cared for. So that's kind of an example of, I know it's a rather extreme example, but I, you know, your symptoms don't happen for for no reason at all, right? They're always there to, to, to help you learn something about yourself. If you're willing to step away from what's wrong with me to why, what is my body trying to tell me? 
it can certainly lead you toward a, a healing path that's much more likely to bear fruit than uh, than if you just stick with you know the self-loathing. A hundred percent. But even the awareness that that's even a space, like yeah, they, for a lot of people, is never even going to hit as even a <clears throat> a pop of like um, space in between that thought and right. that. Right. So that's like the base for me. That's the basis of addiction is like not being able to have another thought besides do this action. Like, it's, um, I followed this guy on YouTube. His name's Dan Coe. And he had this, um, like analogy of like the thoughts being the conveyor belt. Right. Uh And it's like, just step away from the conveyor belt for just a little bit. Yeah, you can create some space so you have some different possibilities because when you're in that when you're close to it you're a rat on a wheel you cannot get off of that but for me I don't know any other way than becoming aware of it and I don't know any way of bringing awareness and to have a a different type of conversation that's deeper than the surface level conversations that human beings have and now with the advent of social media that's blown out the window because most people don't, they're just like this all day, right? Like they don't. It's another addiction to take it's you. It's a total from, addiction, right? Takes you away from how you feel about yourself. Yeah. And so most, like when that's happening and you can become aware that there's a rolling pattern. Yes. That you're doing everything you're you can to, to this, how you feel about yourself. Let this be the bell because you can't yes. unding it. You cannot unding a bell. Ding. Right. So it's like, let that be the thing that causes that like moment. It just takes one, it just takes one moment of that space to crack open the entire egg, right? So I feel really, um, this is a really powerful conversation, by the way. Wow. Um, normally I don't get involved <laughs> like this, but <laughs> exactly what's happening. So I, like, I, I try to stay in the moment of it. So let me just kind of get my energy back. Here okay. Do you mind? If I know I... that I'm on a healing process. I feel so much of that has healed um, okay. in a short amount of time because I'm always aware of that now. I also realize um, how much of my identity was connected to that, even though I wasn't aware of it. How much my identity? Because um, you know, like I'm, I'm also a real estate broker, and I, okay. I do love that, but like my passion is this and work, working with people and my, you know, creating products that help people accelerate the revolution really. So like that, that having that building all of that out and switching gear, it's just really weird at this stage of the game. Most of my friends and peers are retiring and I'm like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> for what to go sit and wait. I'm like, no, I feel Right, writing an entire like the best chapter of my life is still ahead of me, right? So sure. I can't go down that. So I've, there's this been this huge like separation and aha about it's okay to keep creating and keep following my own guidance, my own intuition yes. um, as you have it because I love that connection. If I didn't have that right now, like can't imagine being on this planet right now, not being connected to the inside of myself and trying that, like trying to find that happiness outside is just an endless game that just never ends well. Right. Yes. And, and 
is really, what you're talking about is really important. I think that one of the biggest questions people have is how do you tell the difference between um, my fear reaction and my intuition? How because is a lot of times people mistake, that? I'm sorry? How do you find, how do you define that for folks? Well, I will tell you that the way that, that I go about doing it, again, is by keeping it simple. Um, I'll give you an example. About two or three months ago, uh, I had a cat that was quite ill. And I could tell that it was time conceivably to put the cat down. And it was, I was brokenhearted because I love my animals. And, uh, um, but in the morning that I, 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 I go for a walk every morning in this beautiful park along the ocean. And so I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna talk to God while I'm on my walk to make sure that I'm not putting little Ben down before it's time because I am afraid to, to, to um, make a mistake, right? So I'm walking in the park and I'm listening to Sting and the song that comes on is free, free, set them free. And I say to God, okay, God, I, I really need some help figuring out whether it's time for Ben to go. And I looked down and I swear to you on the sidewalk was a chalk drawing of a clock and above the clock it said it's time. So not only was I listening to Sting telling me to set my cat free, I got a, a direct message that you, you could get, ever get right below my feet at a chalk drawing of a clock that said it's time. So again, when you have experiences like that, <laughs> it can't get any more specific. You know, even though that was an incredibly sad moment, I, I went home and said to my wife, okay, it's time. I'm not afraid anymore because I got the message I needed in order to, you know, this was life and death of an animal that I loved. I, of course, I was totally heartbroken, but I wasn't scared that I was making a mistake. And I can't even tell you how many experiences I've had in my life on an ongoing basis. Uh, once I surrendered, again, to my version of God, and you can call it higher self or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter yeah. to me. Uh, yeah. I, I just use that term because it wasn't, uh, it's not something I find offensive. Um, uh, I, I can give you another real quick example. When, yes, I, was 40, when I was 45, uh, super active surfer and I used to meet all my friends on Wednesday morning to go surfing together uh, and I got to the beach one day uh, one January beautiful January morning and I got there before they did and there was nobody in the water and the waves are perfect now I don't know how much you guys know about surfing but perfect waves with nobody around is like uh, being given pure grade heroin for free <laughs> all you can drink you know, all you can it's like it doesn't happen and so I'm just absolutely beside myself, wanting to get my wetsuit on, go in the water as quick as I can. And I heard this voice, like at the top of any sort of volume, don't go in the water by yourself. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you're telling a surfer not to go in the water by himself? My friends will be here in a few minutes, you know, it's fine. And I had this argument for about 10 or 15 minutes and I have never been so hammered by don't go in the water or don't whatever. And so finally I gave in, so okay, I get it, I hear it, I'm not gonna stop being, you know. So my friends got there, we paddled out in the water and within 15 minutes I had what would have been a fatal heart attack in the water. And if my friends were not there to save my life, I would not be having this conversation with you right now. If you had so I was given a very clear warning that I was on death's door, even though I didn't feel it, and within moments of you know paddling out in the water, I had a, what would have been a very fatal heart attack. So mm -hmm. I have experiences both in very positive and kind of scary ways. 
that daily confirm that my belief is well-placed and looking at my intuition as being sacred is the key to a life of being of service and, and having lots of joy and nobody gets a life without pain. I'm not expecting that, but I feel like I'm more well-equipped to deal with the downs than I would be if I was doing it by myself. How do you, do you have a practice that you keep your connection to your self? Like, cause I use meditation and you know, I, I actively, I, when I'm coaching folks, I'm like, you like, if you want something to continue, acknowledge it, acknowledge it is like uh -huh. gasoline on it. Yes. It just causes it to expand. So if you want something that's like, you're saying to the universe, I see you. Right. So like I use meditation and I have a morning practice that are like, uh -huh. that's non-negotiable part of my world of life i don't care what i'm doing it has to happen at the beginning or i don't i feel sick all day so it's just not going to happen so what's your how do you stay uh keep that connection to your intuition super sharp so that you hear those messages before you get in the water right uh-huh um i'm going to make fun of myself for a moment i okay. believe i'm a very simple-minded person and so i keep it really simple it is purely a dialogue, sometimes conscious and sometimes not. But I just talk to God all the time. I don't feel like I need to meditate or do anything other than keep the conversation going all the time. I okay. want it to be super simple. Maybe I'm lazy, who knows? But I just feel like once you are willing to accept that it's there and that you embrace it wholeheartedly, you don't have to do anything unless it feels important to you. Yeah. So I just go through my life. I mean, I, when I walk up my stairs to my office, I, I look out the window and see the beautiful ocean and I have all these hard rocks that I've collected from the beach. And, and, and I think, okay, God, here we go. I'm ready, ready for action. But it's nothing more really truly than just keeping the dialogue going all the time. I don't care if I'm awake or asleep or whatever it is. I, I just believe that it's there. And so I don't have to really do anything uh, to, to in quotes practice because I just accept that it's as simple as you can allow it to be. Yeah, and I that that's probably going to be for anybody to find their own little crack because that's yeah. actually what I do when I meditate is I'm in direct communication. Like I look forward to it. Like sure. it's like a little meeting with myself every day. Yeah. You know, so sometimes I'll think I have something planned, right? Uh -huh. yeah. and it's like, no, we want you to do this today. Or I have this just the thing that lights me up. In uh -huh. fact, we're sitting inside of a context that just happened to me just about four or five days ago when I had this aha. And I was like, uh -huh. wait a minute, I'm going to hear like, I, you know, my coach is like, you know, start your podcast thingy back up and like, you know, go. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've been studying this crap for a year. I can put it together a funnel in like two seconds. I can do this. I can automate this thing. Uh -huh. And like within 48 hours have all these like amazing things lined up for the next couple of months. That's literally changed how I am like, uh -huh. I brought joy back into my life because I enjoy doing this. Right. But, you know, back in the, when I was doing it before, we would go to a studio. It was uh -huh. a thing. People had to come meet. And it's right. like with technology today, and plus people want to see visuals, right. like it's all right here. I got the studio, like let's rock. And like, and here you are that showed up and like, I'm just elated that I got to have this amazing conversation with you today. Um, I know that this is going to, I know people are going to listen to this. I know it's going to um, ring a lot of bells and okay. like, you know, 
Can I say one more? themselves as whole and complete. Yeah. Do, do you mind if I say just one last thing? Absolutely. I want to, and also want to get your like takeaways from the conversation today, like where you were like at the okay. beginning and like kind of like where we're at right now. Because I think we're at the, well, I turn my thing off, but like, yeah, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Wow, we've okay. talked almost an hour. So, <laughs> well, See, that's, it, that's it, a part of like time. It just like yeah, when you're doing yourself, it just goes. Yeah. So, yes, please share your takeaway. Okay. Story. One last thing. I ask people to listen to the songs that play in their head, depending on whether you're musical or not, because I get songs in my head all the time that deliver messages to me. I do too. And um, I, I think that's most people take them for granted and just assume that it's a song, but I can't even tell how often a song plays in my head that accompanies what I'm thinking about or, or struggling with or whatever it might be. And uh, sometimes they're the most random songs that you could ever imagine, because I've lived a long time and the, got a lot of musical history. I'm not a very musical person, but I drive my wife crazy because I've always got a song playing in my head. And usually those songs have meaning. Okay, so well, I've got one in my head. I'm going to go find that. Okay. Kylie Minogue and she's got has the new one come out and like her new one come out and it's like a huge hit uh-huh. it's I've been in my head going that one that happened when I graduated you know because she's been doing songs since the 80s so it's like I'm, I'm gonna go look that up and I'm gonna listen to it right after this podcast so okay. I that's a great because I, I actually have that it happens to me quite often I love music and I listen to it all the time yeah. but um yeah I'm gonna I think it's just another form of the communication that could be uh, fun. Like it's frequency. Everything's frequency. It's all this the uh-huh. you know, radio stations. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, you think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I mean, my takeaway would be number one, you are very much a pleasure to speak with. Oh, thank you. What's that? I said thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. I, you know, it's you're very easy to talk to and very engaging in the conversation. I love these kind of conversations. They make they just make me feel really good. And I, I really want to help as many people as I can before one day I fall out of my chair. I'm never going to retire. I'm having way too much fun as a, uh, as a person and as a professional and all of it. And I just want to, I like helping people. It feels good. A hundred percent. Like there's just nothing that it, it's, I can't even describe it. Like I would go to describe it. It, be, it stops becoming the thing that I sense around me, you know, is that just, joy of like oh my god if I could provide when I was a kid there was this game called shoots and ladders and you would like you know you every (laughs) once in a while you could land on the thing that would just that's right and you could just you didn't have to you didn't have to do all of the roundabouts right and you I love that when they have that moment where they just do not have to go down that highway right and they take it sure yeah that's that's what lights me up yeah. So, so if you don't mind, I would love to encourage anybody to contact me at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, because I am open to answering any questions that anybody might want to present to me. I'm always open to new ideas of psychological topics that I could, uh, you know, bring on to my podcast. I just did an interview with a psychiatrist about ketamine therapy. Oh, my God, it was so fascinating. So I like to cover just about anything people might be curious about um, in the realm of, you know, healing post-traumatic stress, spirituality, how to deal with your fear in a graceful way, all that different stuff. 
So um, I will put all of your information in the description box that follows whatever form that these turn out to be. They'll they'll follow it wherever it goes. So they will definitely have it in. So if you guys are watching this, all you got to do is just look in the description box right below, and you'll have <laughs> all of Dana's information and reach out. And if you've got something you want to talk about, like you have your own podcast that I'm sure okay. you're always looking for for interesting subjects to talk about because yeah. It's fun. What are we gonna do right? I mean, I think doing a podcast is one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. Yeah, I especially love this. Uh, this is my third one today, and I really love this format of um, this. This is really cool. So, um, with that, I think that we have produced a really cool episode. So, I'm really grateful for you coming on and reaching out. You're one of the first ones that clicked through. I appreciate it, and um, I'll continue to have the conversation. And who knows, we'll have you back on and keep going. Oh, you're so kind, Michael. Yeah. It's a I just love having this conversation. It's just it makes such a difference, you know. In my world, you know, everybody's always like some sort of version of, "Oh, where do you get certified?" or this or that. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I hate to point out the obvious, but that's. I oh, yeah, let's keep it simple now. <laughs> Everything that I have is access in the now. Yes. If it's well, thank not. You for, thank you for doing what you're doing also, because as we all know, the world needs as much help as we can give it. And it's nice to, to hear positive rather than just being filled with fear. Even when we're talking about deep subjects like we talked about today, that's right. still, still, it's part of the journey. And it's Absolutely. not something to be excluded as something bad. It's part of like what makes us who we are. I would not be who I am today unless everything happened in my life exactly the way that it happened. Period. I couldn't agree with you more. So now maintaining that sometimes is a little tricky, but like that's <laughs> the point of having like people in our lives and people we can listen to. And like, I, I literally, I only have on, you know, people I follow we're in alignment. I just don't allow the riffraff to be around me. And it just makes such an amazing difference in my life. And Good. I just want people to find that, you know, inner equilibrium, if you will. I'm a Libra, so everything <laughs> can be balanced. So like find that for themselves in their own life. And um, that's a, like a win. So, yeah. So thank you again so much. It's been so fascinating. Um, My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> but I will get um, all of that out. Everybody listening today, I hope you guys got like a phenomenal value out of this. Any questions, just leave us a comment below and we'll get back to you. Just have a blessed day and thank you for watching Empower You podcast. Have an amazing day. <laughs>